and turn to the book of First Peter. We're going to look at the same two verses we or passages that we looked at this morning. We'll look at First Peter chapter one, verses six through nine, and then First Peter five, verses five through eleven. I don't do this very often, but every now and then I, I take a, a message and split it into two in order to do each of the points justice, and uh, that's what we did this morning. We're looking at the subject of how to how to navigate through difficult times. And when Peter's writing, he's writing to, to uh, Christians that are going through difficulties, they're going through persecution uh, for the faith. And they're, they're, it, it, the indication is that he sees an even bigger trial coming, coming down the pipe, so to speak. And uh, he's, he's trying to get their hearts prepared to, uh, to be able to, to handle the difficulty that's coming. Um, so oftentimes when we think of 1 Peter, and rightfully so, we think of, of a uh, book that has to do with how to handle suffering. But the overall theme of the book is not a gloom and doom theme. It's a theme of grace, and it's a, of, a theme of happiness. Uh, he, he talks about being joyful during this time, rather than being sorrowful during, during this time. And the, the only way you can, you can uh, do that is if you have your heart prepared and you enter into the difficulty uh, with the right spirit and the right heart. Uh, we we uh, looked at the first thing that was absolutely essential this morning, uh, which was uh, be humble. Uh, you've got to go into difficulty with a, with a humble spirit. And uh, the Bible says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The last thing you want to do when you're going through trouble, the last thing you want to do when you're going through uh, times that are resisting you is to have God resisting you along with the difficulty that you're facing. Uh, you want God to not resist you, but you want him to give you grace. And the Bible says he giveth grace to the humble. And it's so important for us to, to have a humble spirit. And, and uh, so with that in mind, let's all stand together. Look with me first in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll read verses 6 through 9. He talks about why the suffering is there so that their, their, uh, their, their, their faith might be tried and might be purified. Verse, verse uh, uh, 6 says, "...when ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season..." If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations at the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now go with me over, if you would, to the last chapter, chapter 5, and verses 5 through 11. Verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble." Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season, excuse me, in due time, uh, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to be challenged by your word. And thank you, Lord, for, for difficulties that come our way and for trials and for tribulations, for, for things that uh, seem to be fiery at times, but what they really do is purify our faith and strengthen us and teach us how to, how to cast all our care upon you. And it reassures us that you do care for us when we see you be strong on our behalf. Father, uh, I, I pray that you would uh, give me wisdom and give me clearness of thought as, as, I, as I preach tonight so that uh, the uh, folks can, can get a blessing from your word and can understand, may we all understand tonight, just what is necessary in order for us to go through difficult times. And I believe in America, we are, we are heading for some, some problems. There are def definitely red flags on the horizon. And uh, God, it, it, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's so important that we realize that those things come into our lives not to make us bitter, not to cause us to be crushed, but to, to strengthen us, to strengthen our faith and to, to help us to rely on you more. Father, we pray your blessings upon this time together in your word, and as your word and your spirit speak to our hearts, may we say yes to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Now, all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. As I said, the first, the, the first ingredient of navigating through difficult times is to, to uh, have a humble spirit. God gives grace to the humble. And uh, something that for a long time I never saw, and that was at the, at the end of that passage, the, the passage on humility, is that he doesn't, he doesn't stop at verse 6 where he says, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in, in due time. He, he continues and ends the sentence in verse 7 with casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And the way you can tell whether or not we, we truly are humble is when we cast all of our care upon him and have that, that faith and that trust that he cares for us. Now, the second thing that's, that's necessary is found down in verses 8 and 9. In 8 and 9, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, the, the second thing we need to be is not only, not only humble, but we need to also be heedful. We need to be heedful. The Bible says we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. What does it mean to be sober? Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me. Keep your finger here, but go with me to 1, Peter, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5.
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look with me down in verses uh, 5 through 8. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 8. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Uh, being, being sober means to not be asleep or under the influence of anything that would be able to control us. Obviously, under the influence of the Spirit of God, yes, but any other outward influence, we should not. It means having a, a calm and a controlled temperament. Uh, it, it means to be serious. It means to be, be serious about, about life and realize that, that danger can always be right around the corner, and therefore, we need to be sober. Um, a, a good example of, of underreacting and overreacting in this area of being sober would be if you had a, one of your children who uh, broke into a tenter, temper tantrum, and as a parent, you did absolutely nothing and just watched them do a break dance on the grocery floor uh, and, and didn't do anything. Now, that's underreaction. Overreaction would be grabbing, a, and I've, I've seen parents do this, and, and just, ugh, it just, it, it wrenches my heart right out of my chest. Uh, grabbing a hold of a kid's arm, practically dislocating it as you, as you throttle the kid and bring him up off the floor, that's not right either. There, there is an a in-between that is sober, and that is you handle the problem, but you do so in a controlled manner. And that's exactly what being sober is all about. It means being controlled, being serious, and not being asleep at the switch. And then the, 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 the second thing that he talks about is being vigilant, being vigilant. Uh, the word vigilant only occurs two times in your King James Bible. It shows up here, and it also shows up in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. It's talking about the, uh, the qualifications of a pastor, and it says that a, that a, that a bishop, a pastor, needs to be, needs to be uh, vigilant. Uh, Vigilant just simply means to be watchful, to be circumspect, attentive to discover and avoid danger, or to provide for safety. Uh, one, of the most, one of the most dangerous areas, and an area that, I, that I've seen over the years where, where the devil attacks, is in our marriages and in our families. I've watched it. I've, I've seen it over and over again. We need to be, we need to be sober and we need to be vigilant and, and see that trouble uh, coming, coming, down, coming down the road. Uh, our guard needs to be up on a continual basis. Folks, in case you haven't figured it out yet, we are living in perilous times. The Bible says, in the last day, days, perilous times will come. They're not coming anymore. They're here, okay? They're here. And that means the danger is, can be right around the corner. We have a lot of wonderful things uh, in, you know, in, in our age that we can take advantage of. It's great to have cars. It's not great to see cars wrapped around telephone poles. 
It's great to have, uh, to have phones and to have uh, computers and to have, ta to have tablets. And we can, we can uh, tap into uh, information all over the world, but you can also tap into junk. You can tap into trash. You can tap into things that can be very dangerous. And so more so than ever before, it's so important for us to be sober and to be vigilant. Now, why? Why is that so important? Well, because you've got an adversary. The Bible says our adversary is the devil, and he walks about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, an adversary is simply one who opposes us and stands against us. And, you know, before you got saved, the devil really wasn't your adversary because you were on his team. But once you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you switched teams. And when you switched teams, you gained an adversary. You gained an enemy. And, of course, the enemy is the devil. And never forget who the adversary is. Your adversary is never God. God is not against you. He's for you. If you're a child of God, God is for you. He thinks about you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to glorify him through your life. God is not, not, not your enemy. And uh, there are times when, when uh, he stands against us, but that's because we're proud. We already looked at that this morning. It says uh, 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 that uh, God resisteth the proud. So if he's standing against you, it's not because he wants to. It's because you're proud. And, and honestly, we need to be knocked down so that we can get, get humbled before him. So it isn't God. Not only is it not God, it's none of the Christians. And sometimes we act like other Christians are our problem. Other Christians are our adversaries. Um, we, 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 we often, as, as safe people, and I've, I've watched this over the years, oftentimes treat lost people better than we do saved people. You know, the Bible says you especially ought to do good unto the house of God. You know who that is? That's saved people. And you ought to do good unto all men, but especially, the Bible says, unto, unto the house of God. And uh, so, so Christians, other Christians aren't our enemy. And honestly, even the lost are not our enemy. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and look down with me, if, if you would, in verses 1 and 2. It says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. You're dead in sin before you got saved, and then God quickened you, made you alive in Jesus Christ. Wherein in times, uh, time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, lost people can be, can be disobedient and can oppose you. But understand, it's their father that you have an issue with. You have an issue with, with their father. You have an issue with the devil. The devil is your adversary. The, the word devil means accuser, or it means slanderer. His goal is to devour you. Uh, he does not have anything good for you. 
Uh, you know, you've heard me say, sin is never your friend, neither is the devil. And if he offers you something that's wrong and against God, it's never for your help, it's only for your hurt. And, and you know, one of the ways that he, he gets us to, to, he gets to devour us is by us getting eaten up with the wrong attitudes. We get eaten up with fear. We get eaten up with jealousy. We get eaten up with worry. We get eaten up with bitterness and lust. And those, those kind of things begin to control us. And when they do, then, then we fall into his hands. We fall exactly where he wants us to be. Notice, notice in the verse, it says, it says the devil is our adversary and he looks for uh, him whom he may devour. It says may devour. Um, he can only do what he has permission to do. Um, you, you see the, the situation in the book of Job where God allowed uh, Satan to, in fact, he actually had a hedge of protection around him. He dropped that hedge, allowed him to get in there, but as he allowed him to get in there, he did that for a reason, because he was bragging about his, his child, Job. And he was bragging about how the, the fact that he was loyal and he was faithful and that he loved him and that he believed he'd love him no matter what came across his path. And uh, so really it was a compliment to Job that he let the, the devil get in there and touch him. And of course, he, he touched his family. Uh, he, the, his children passed, passed away. His children died. He lost his home. He lost his wealth. Uh, his, his, his own wife said, why don't you just curse God and die and walked away. Um, he eventually lost his health. It was all gone. And yet his answer and his response to all of that was, the Lord giveth, Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he still had that love for God in his heart. And, uh, and, I, and I'll tell you, we, you know, we don't, we don't really get a, a, a glimpse of what the reaction of the devil was, but I know he wasn't happy. He just wasn't happy. So there are times when God will allow those kind of things to happen in your life and will allow the devil to get in there. But again, it's, it's not to hurt you, but it's, it's to strengthen you and it's to help you. Uh, so sometimes he gets permission from God. He, sometimes and most of the time, you know where he gets permission? He gets permission from us. He gets permission from us. In, in, uh, well, take your Bibles. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I've seen this in the lives of others. Unfortunately, I'm sad to tell you I've seen it in my own life too many times. Ephesians chapter 4, and if you look with me in verse, uh, verse 25, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, uh, have, have the right kind of anger, and make sure that it is controlled, and then don't let the sun go down upon it. Get the thing resolved. And verse 27, neither give place 
to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, uh, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to, to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out, out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And it says, it says neither give place to the devil. Uh, sometimes the devil gets his way in our life just simply because we give him place and we, we allow him to get in there through our attitudes and through, through our actions. Um, always remember uh, who he is, who the devil is, and what he does. He's never your friend. John chapter 8 and verse 44 says that he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Uh, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Um, there's a, you know, you can always tell when a, when a nation starts going in the wrong direction and when a nation starts turning its back on God is because lying becomes something that is acceptable in that, in that nation or in that country or in, in that society. When, uh, back years ago, I was pastoring a church in, in western New York, and we had a, a couple that went to China. When they, when they came back, they were only there for a year because of the Tiananmen Square uh, massacre and uprising. And when they came back, they, 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 they were telling me that one of the things that they noticed about China that was different from America is that lying was very acceptable. And uh, people would lie through their teeth right to your face and not even blink an eye. They'd say, I'll be here at 4 o'clock tomorrow, and then they just never show up. Uh, and and they, it didn't bother them at all. They would say that they didn't do something when they did, and they'd say they did something when they didn't do it. Um, they, they, just lying was, was a, a, a normality with the, with the people. We, we're finding that in America. And, and again, it's because as a, as a society, the society is turning its back on God. And when, when you do that, you become uh, like, like their, their father, the devil. Um, there's, there's, uh, it says that he's a liar, and there's some basic lies that, uh, that he always gives forth. And you see these lies in, in the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't look at it tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll just reiterate it to you. But in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11 Jesus Christ went out into the wilderness and he was, he was tempted of the devil. And he was tempted three separate times after he had fasted for 40 days. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was in his weakest possible physical condition. And he, he passed, not only passed the test with flying colors, but knocked the devil right out of the ring uh, during that confrontation. But there were three, three temptations that were given to him. Number one was to turn the stones to bread because you're tired and you're hungry. And uh, what that is is just simply taking matters into your own hands. Uh, you know, uh, take, take care of things yourselves. And, and uh, that's not what, what God wants us to do. In fact, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
Uh, don't take matters into your own hands. Obey the book. The second thing was to, to uh, he told him to cast himself down, and angels will rescue him. Uh, if God really, really cares for you, you know, he'll, he'll never let you get hurt. Do what you think is right. And, of course, the, 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 uh, the answer to that, again, is no, because we're not to tempt the Lord our God. Um, understand that there are times when God will allow you to get hurt. But it's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he does love you. And he wants to get your, your, your uh, faith strengthened. And he wants to be strong on your behalf. The third thing, the third temptation that he threw his way was he said, worship me. And he says, I'll give you all the kingdoms now. Now, why that was so important was that Jesus knew he couldn't get all the kingdoms of the world until he first went to the cross and, and paid the price for the sins of the entire world. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He knew that was, was what was necessary. And, uh, of course, his answer, again, was no, and it was written. He says, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord, the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Uh, we were to worship him and allow him to determine the timing in our lives for various things. Uh, oftentimes, one, this is one of the, one of the uh, problems that we often have, particularly in our younger years, but we can have them in our older years, too. And that is, uh, you know, we want what we want now. And sometimes it's not God's timing. Uh, you know, you, you might get the right thing, but you might get it at a time that God did not want you to have it. And so it's very important to be willing to be patient and to wait on God and go through what you have to go through in life in order, in order to receive that which God would have us to have. So, so he's a liar, and, and don't ever forget that. Secondly, uh, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11. He's a, he's a deceiver, and he makes sin, evil, and lies all look good. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 says, for such are, are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Um, he, he makes that which is evil look good, and he... He uh, uh, is constantly giving us a, a false picture of things. Sin is never your friend, and sin will never be a blessing to you. It'll never take you up. It'll always take you down. But he, he knows how to, how to make heresy, how to make uh, sin, how to make evil look good. And, uh, and he, he does so in a very deceiving manner. And the, the Bible says what we need to do in all of this is to resist him. Uh, if you look with me back over to 1 Peter chapter 5, look down at verse 9. It says, speaking of the devil, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren 
that are in the world. It says, resist the devil in the faith. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The more you get in the book, the more you'll, you'll be able to recognize his, his devices. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices, and we're not because God tells us what they are and what he tries to trick us with. And we need to resist him like Jesus did. Every time Jesus, uh, every time he tempted the Lord Jesus, he said, he said, it, he said uh, uh, the Lord Jesus replied back, it is written, it is written, it is written. Uh, he quoted scripture to him, know your Bible and know what that there is always a scriptural response to, to a, 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 a temptation that is given to us from the devil. And, and it also says there, it says, it says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You're not the only one going through trouble. You're not the only one that Satan opposes. Uh, there are others that are, are being opposed even more so than you are. Um, one of the things that I think we, we need to keep in mind, that even though we are having problems in America, and we certainly are, and even though we may be headed as a nation in the wrong direction because we've turned our back on God as a nation, uh, understand we've still got it better than most of the rest of the world. And there are people today, I mean today, right now, that are suffering because they're a Christian in, in various countries. People in China, you know, don't, don't listen to the media. People in China are not free, okay? Uh, they, they go after Christians in China when they find out that they're believers. And they, they, have, they have killed people over there. They've murdered folks. Uh, Russia has, has taken the lives of Christians. Uh, you know, I, you know my, my life thus far has not been threatened here in America, and I'm thankful for that. But, but under, understand, you know, sometimes we, we start going through... Uh, trouble, and we think that we're the only ones that are going through trouble. We're not. And just like God is strong on other people's behalf, he'll be strong on your behalf as well. And, and the way we, we need to handle this thing is to make sure that we resist the devil. Now, keep your finger in 1 Peter and, and back up a little bit to the book of James. It's a book just before 1 Peter. Book of James chapter, chapter 4. James 4, and he talks about how to, re, how to resist the devil, verses 7 and 8. Two simple verses with some simple steps for resistance. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. He gives four steps to simply resisting Satan. Number one, submit yourself to God. The uh, Bible says uh, that we are to uh, present our bodies a living sacrifice, Romans 12.1. We ought to submit ourselves to God and tell God, listen, whatever you want from me, whatever you want with me, you can have it. Secondly, it says resist Satan. Don't, don't give in to his temptations. Resist him. And then it, then it goes on and it says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Notice who, who takes the first step. We do. 
And we need to constantly be getting closer and closer to him. And as we do, we get more and more strength in order to combat uh, the, the devil and resist his temptations. And then the last thing is to, to clean up your act and, and your heart. It says, cleanse, cleanse your hands, uh, you sinners, and purify your, your hearts, you double-minded. Uh, clean up what you do and clean up how you think. Uh, make sure that you're clean. Don't, don't try to fight the devil dirty. <laughs> you know, you won't win. Uh, if, if you have dirty hands and you have a dirty heart, you're going to lose every time. And it's important for us to stay clean before God. So, so the, 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 the second step in navigating through troubled times is to, to be heedful, uh, to be sober, to be vigilant, because we have an adversary called the devil. And there's one more step. Go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and look down in verses 10 and 11. It says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The last thing is to be hopeful. Hopeful. God is the, the God of all grace, and his grace is always sufficient. And as I said earlier, one of the, one of the themes of the book of First, First Peter is not just suffering and how to go through it, but one of the themes is grace, that his grace is sufficient, his grace is there, his grace is, is available, and he will give you the strength that you need in order to get through the problems. Uh, it's always sufficient. Sufficient just simply means that it's enough, that it's equal to the task. Um, we know that we're going to glory. We know that if, if you're saved, you know that your sins are forgiven. You know you're going to be in heaven someday. And, and therefore, it says that our, our present suffering or our trials or our difficulty is for a while. It's for a while. You know, I, it seems like the older I get, the more I think about these things. But can you imagine what you're going to be thinking about a hundred years from now? I don't care who you are. If you're saved right now, if you're saved a hundred years from now, you're going to be in heaven. Okay? Can we agree on that? We're going to be in heaven. Uh, so what are you going to be thinking about? You're going to be thinking about that bill you can't, you, you can't pay today? Uh, you're going to be thinking about that person in, in your family that's got a grudge against you? You know, are you gonna are you gonna be are you gonna be mulling over the thing, whatever it was, that sometime this week caused you to not get the proper sleep you should have gotten? No, you know what? That's just gonna be as far from your mind as it possibly can. Now, I'm not saying that knowing that, therefore, it will just all dissolve and go away. No, but you put it in perspective, and you realize. This is just for a season. This is just for a while. And God has his grace to get us through it. And God has his strength that he'll give to us in order to help us to, to navigate through the trouble. Suffering is for a while, but the suffering that is for a while does something for us. Look down again in verse... Uh, in verse uh, uh, Let's see, look down to verse 10. 
It says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. What will he do after we suffer a while? Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. It says that, that because he allows us to go through some suffering, that suffering does something for us. First of all, it says it perfects us, that it might perfect us. To perfect means to complete, to finish, to fully, uh, to, to cause us to be fully informed about something, and to develop moral excellence. Suffering, if we respond properly to it, will do that for us. Secondly, not only to, to perfect us, but it says it establishes us. If a person is established, that means they're firmly fixed. That means they're not easily moved. Suffering does not come into our life to push us down and crush us into the ground. That's not the purpose of it. It's to actually make us stronger. And you go, you go through the, the book of Psalms, and there is a there is a, a phrase that pops up quite a few times in Psalms. It's gotten my attention over the years. And that's when, when the psalmist, whoever it, it may be, there are various psalmists that say this, but they say, my heart is fixed. Fixed. What does that mean? That means I'm not moving. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I, I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to... to uh, uh, and I keep that which I, thanks, thanks, sweetie, keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You forget just one word, the whole thing gets messed up. But, uh, but, the, but the truth is, is that, is that when you go through that, that suffering, you go through that difficulty, uh, God just proves himself over and over and over again when we respond right. And that causes us to be, to be established and fixed. Then the, the third thing it does is it strengthens us. It strengthens us. We, you know, we don't just get strength for the battle. We get strength from the battle. And the more battles we're in and the more difficulties we, we go through and see God strong on our behalf, you know what that does? That builds up your faith. That gives you, that gives you more confidence in the God whom you serve. And uh, we get stronger from it. And then the last thing it says is it settles us. If a person is, if a person is settled, uh, their, their questions and their doubts are removed. And again, uh, your faith is strengthened. And the stronger your faith gets, the fewer the, the doubts are and, and the fewer the questions are. Uh, we're not tossed about by every wind of doctrine and by every emotion that might come our way. Uh, and and that, that kind of strengthening and that kind of help after going through the, the tough times is something that gives us hope. When, a, when an unbeliever suffers, when a person who doesn't, has never trusted Christ as Savior, and they suffer, oftentimes they lose hope. Well, you'd expect them to. They have no hope of forgiveness of sins. They have no hope of eternal life. They have no hope of a God who will be strong in their behalf and whose grace is sufficient. Uh, but when a, when a believer goes through uh, suffering and goes through trouble and difficulty, 
they increase hope if they respond properly. If they respond properly. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5. And this, this passage of Scripture is, without a doubt, one of my favorite passages. God has brought me to this, these verses many times. <clears throat> and reminded me of the, of the work that he's doing in and through us, uh, even when the difficulties come and when the hard times hit. In verse 3, well, let's go up to verse 1 because it starts with salvation. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Because of forgiveness of sins, you got hope, you got, you got grace, you got faith, you got strength. Then in verse 3, he says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts for the Holy Ghost, which is uh, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And and what what God says there is that. When you go through those difficulties, God is doing a work in our hearts. He, there's a process. He says that, uh, that uh, um, tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and then experience hope. If we respond properly in each of those stages, we end up in the hope stage. And God is glorified, and we know that God is strong in our behalf, and that God is sufficient. Uh, take your Bibles and go back with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 5, and we'll close with this. 1 Peter chapter 5, and there's a verse that really ties all the previous verses together, and it's a verse that I've on purpose left out, and it's verse 12. Verse 12 of 1 Peter 5 says, By Silvanus, a, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written... Briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein we stand. Uh, God tells us that when we go through these kind of troubles, we, we go through troubles, troublesome, difficult times. We need to be humble. We need to be heedful. We need to be hopeful. And when we do, his grace is always sufficient. And his grace is always there and his grace is what's, what's there to help us to stand, and having done all, to stand. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful tonight for encouragement that we get from your word. We're thankful, Lord, that you've told us that we'll go through problems, we'll go through trouble. And I, I think again, and I, I, Lord, you know, my desire is not to be a doomsday prophet. My desire is not... To, to always look on the sour side of things, but our country is not heading in the right direction. And uh, again, uh, it's going to affect each and every one of us. 
because it is going to affect us, we need to make sure that we are ready and that uh, we enter these things with the right, right spirit and the right heart and the right attitude and the right perspective. Help us, God, to be humble. Help us, Lord, to be heedful. And then, God, help us to be hopeful. And Lord, we have all kinds of reasons to hope because we have a God who's a God of hope. In fact, one of the things we're looking forward to is something that you have called the blessed hope when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to get us. But until then, we'll go through some difficult times. We need to go through it with the right attitude and the right spirit. God, speak to our hearts tonight. If there's any area, whether it be an area of humility, whether it be an area in the area of being heedful, not being sober, not being vigilant, maybe let our guard down, maybe get a little sloppy in our Christian living, in our, in our separation from the world. Uh, Lord, uh, maybe our, our hope has dimmed a little bit because we haven't focused, we focused on the problem a whole lot more than we focused on the solution. And the solution is the Lord Jesus Christ and the strength and the grace that you have prepared to give to us to get us through. God, speak to our hearts tonight. I pray that you'd, you'd meet needs tonight. And uh, Father, through it all, may you be the one who is glorified and exalted. We certainly love you the, this evening. We're so thankful that you, are God, our, uh, that you are our God and that we have eternal life because of you. Bless this invitation. Have your will. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.